Hey everybody, before we get into the regular intro for BC Buckets this week, I want to let you know that we had a special supersized episode. We had two guests, including head coach at Dakota Wesleyan, Matt Wilbur, and former Briarcliff assistant coach Jay Wright on. So because of that, we did split it up into a couple of different parts. When you go to find the podcast this week, you'll find actually two different episodes. The first, we talk about Dakota Wesleyan with head coach Matt Wilbur. And on the second, we talk a little bit more in depth with Jay Wright. So if you're wondering why there's two episodes this week, that is why. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to BC Buckets Podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball. My name is Matt Gall here at the basketball offices in the Newman Flanagan Center overlooking Ray Naki Court. And we've got the usual crew here today. I'm joined by head coach Mark Sfigera. Mark, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was great. Um, glad to be back. Looking forward to what could be the most epic episode of this podcast yet i think you might be right and, and we'll get into that here in just a minute and over here to my left i've got the sports information director for briarcliff university kevin potabom here kevin what's new not a whole lot uh you know a good thanksgiving for me as well like coach uh and we're lucky to be joined today by uh, one of two guests that we'll actually have here on the podcast one in the office and then one who will be calling in here <laughs> in a little bit but we're joined here in the basketball office by former briarcliff assistant coach jay wright also a 1998 NAIA scholar-athlete Where did you do that research at? College uh, Red Raiders. I I was on the team to bring up the GPA. That was the only reason I was there. Everybody else practiced. Coach sent me to study. Let's work on those grades. (laughs) That was just after a quick Google search. That's the first thing I could find. After I scrolled through about 900... uh, A lot of Villanova. Jay writes. But your name didn't seem to come up synonymous with basketball too much. Uh, but uh, it's a pleasure to have you here <laughs> joining us today, and and uh, you know you're going to be able to give us some insight into the upcoming Northwestern game that we'll have uh, this week, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but you also have some BC ties, like I said, you were an assistant coach here under Coach Barry, yep. so you know you're very familiar with Briarcliff and the GPAC, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you today. And currently, you're the regional director for teammates. Tell us a little bit yeah, about what you do. For yeah, that. so I teammates mentoring um, was started by Tom Osborne back in 1991 with his football team at the University of Nebraska. Um, they sent some kids to a school, set, some of their players on their team to a school, said, hey, go hang out with these kids in a kind of a high-risk school in Lincoln. Had a bunch of success with those kids doing really well, graduating high school, going to college. said, we need to expand this. Uh, so now we're in five states. Um, what we do, we're school-based. So it's one-to-one school-based mentoring. So uh, Coach Figueroa is a mentor, does an awesome job. Um, you go to the school once a week, just spend you know, your lunch break with a, a student at school, uh, play games, hang out, play connect for whatever, um, just develop relationships and build um, some connections there. So what I do is I support the schools in Iowa, the chapters in Iowa as well as South Sioux City, um, then try to grow some more chapters. So going to school saying, hey, this is a great program, um, jump on board. So um, it's a great program. It's a great thing. Um, seen great success with it. Like I said, Coach Figueroa mentors. I've mentored. Um, it's a really cool deal. So um, – just real quick, uh, before I forget, if somebody is interested in learning more about it or, or want to join, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, teammates.org is the website. If you go there, you can apply to mentor. Um, like I said, I, if, you know, right here in Sioux City, um, you got Helan has a chapter. Um, South Sioux City has a chapter. Sergeant Bluff is 
really, really close to getting a chapter. So we're right there. Um, Westwood, just south here, has a chapter. So some great opportunities right around here. Um, but again, there's I think we're at 19 schools in Iowa right now, and then all throughout Nebraska. There's 140 some in Nebraska as well as Wyoming, Kansas, and now South Dakota out in uh, Custer, South Dakota. So okay, out in wow. the Black Hills uh, out west. So, but we're uh, expanding and think we got a really good program. So teammates.org if they want to know more about it. Awesome. And you're currently doing some coaching. I'm uh, assistant coach at Helan uh, with Andy Foster. Um, coach one of those things that gets in your blood you just can't quite get rid of it from your blood um uh yeah there'd be more time and you'd be around your family more but there's something about coaching and being in a game and getting ready for an opponent that just i don't know how i could sit and ever watch a game i'm either scouting somebody or i'm recruiting somebody or i'm you know and now you're i mean just you're always you just got to be around the game yeah. somehow and i don't know how you get away from that so yeah. And I don't know if, if you remember this, but you were actually my coach once upon a time. I attended the Northwestern College uh, summer basketball camp. This would have been summer of 2003, probably. And uh, I got put on a team. So they, they matched us up with a, a team that we were with throughout the entire camp for uh, various competition. And it was me and then basically the entire South O'Brien uh, roster. At and the they time. were good. And they, they were, were good. really good. And uh I just remember I tried to find it. I couldn't find it, but we had a booklet where we had all the coach evaluation comments at the end. And you were you were kind, but you were very honest <laughs> that uh, basically I was doing people my height a disservice <laughs> with my aggressiveness and, and my uh, inability to rebound. I, I don't think that was the exact terms that were used, <laughs> I'm guessing. Um, I think I was probably nicer than that. Um, yeah. I, I'm assuming, though, you know, Granville Spalding wasn't exactly a bastion of uh, basketball <laughs> uh, hotbed. No. Um, they had some great years. I will say, had some great years in the uh, early late '80s, early '90s. Adolph Kokendorf was now at Fort Dodge St. Ed's. Was at. They had some really good teams. Uh, Eric Potterbaum. Um, there was a Travis Hollis who I think even came to Briarcliff. For yeah. they had really, really good teams for years, and they would always play at Boyden Hall. And uh, Adolf Korkendorfer still hates the Boyden Hall gym with a passion because we would always win, and he still does not like that gym to this day. So he finally went to Fort Dodge and said, i got to get out of here. I can't, can't yeah. be Boyden Hall, Boyden Hall. So he had to leave. But uh, yeah. I, are, where are you, like the second leading scorer in Spalding history? I mean, I mean roughly? <laughs> Maybe my senior year. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was obviously a baseball school. I didn't, I didn't grow up actually there. I didn't start with Spalding until eighth grade. So I didn't quite have that, that same baseball same. passion in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was it was good. Times. Well, hopefully, basketball camp in Northwestern didn't kill your basketball passion. That's hopefully that didn't happen. No, I, it just okay, set very okay. realistic expectations <laughs> for uh, for where I was going. And, and from that day forward, I knew I was going to be an intramurals guy uh, <laughs> when it came to college. I was all about bringing the truth, speaking the truth. That's what it was about. I think he's probably a lot like me. Where at a, at a young age, I learned that I was really good at keeping book in sports. <laughs> 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 the world needs stat takers too, but don't yeah. worry. I mean, my college playing career. Um, people always say, "Did you play at Northwestern?" I'm like, "Well, it's using the term play a little loose." I was on the team. There's, you know, your role, right? Like I was coach's human victory cigar because when I got in, that game was over. So I knew my role. So I mean, you probably are the, by far the best player in here, and that includes Shipley over there. So, well, as much as I'd love to agree with that, you know, I was fortunate to coach Coach Shipley for two years, and and he was a step or two or. 107 ahead of me so yeah it was uh i'll just kind of close by saying the team i was on uh, certainly didn't do me any favors making me look better because uh, there were those guys from south o'brien at the time uh, i don't know if they won a state championship but there was i think a, they got beat by unity maybe 
that in the right. district final or something like that. And that's when Unity was really, really good yeah, as well. Yeah. I mean, those teams at that time, I mean, if you can come out of 2A in Northwest Iowa, they were, but they were a fantastic. There was Mankey was the, the little Mankey, point guard, was yep. fantastic. Eric Kruger. And Kruger was an outstanding big guy. He threw down several dunks. Yep. We, we, we drew up more plays for him to dunk than you in <laughs> camp. I hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> seemed to work I out well. Place. Yes. Uh, you held my clipboard. It was great. Yeah, it was, uh, I, did, I got an A minus, I think. In, in clipboard holding. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I, to wrap all that up, I, I appreciate the uh, the uh, honesty there because <laughs> that's not always the case where you have some coaches uh, maybe giving you some false expectations there. So, uh, but thanks again uh, for joining us here, and, and we'll talk to you here in just a, a little bit uh, about um, you know the upcoming Northwestern matchup. But I want to talk to Coach Figuera real quick. We had a game last week in the GPAC. You guys were up at Mount Marty up in Yankton, South Dakota, and came away with an 87 to 70 win. Jay Wolf had a huge game in that game with 32 points. Eric Erdman at 20, and then Jack. Jackson Lamb had a double-double with 11 and 10. So, Coach, tell me about that game, what happened. Well, it was kind of an interesting game. We kind of got a big lead uh, with a few minutes left in the first half, and, and Mount Marty made a little push at us and, and cut it to single digits at halftime. Uh, it was a game where I don't know that we ever completely got our, our flow going offensively. You know, it's just we, we were getting some good shots, and we weren't making them. We struggled from the three-point line a little bit. Uh, we shot a ton of them. Uh, we didn't make a ton in that game. And, uh, you know, we had a couple guys who were outstanding shooters that just had off nights for us. And, and when that happens, you know, we kind of just turned to Jay Wolf and Eric Erdman and, and put them in a lot of two-man game situations. And, and they took over, Jay in particular. I mean, he, was, he didn't miss a two-point shot. I think he had 32 we ended up with. And it was just every time we needed one, um, you know, Mount Marty just kept kind of throwing runs at us. And, and we – I felt like we were on the verge of maybe expanding our lead to 20, and we didn't. And every time they'd cut it to 9 or 10, it just Jay made another play. And, again, I, I feel like I'm beating the dead horse when I say it with, with Jay and Eric. A lot of times they can just bail us out because they're so talented offensively and the, the mentality they play with um, allows them to take over games like that. And, and, you know, Eric gets overshadowed in that game because Jay scored a lot more, but it was the two of them together that really sparked us because of, of what they were doing offensively. And even when Jay was scoring, a lot of it was Eric got him the ball first or, you know, Eric set the screen for him or something like that. And, and so those two guys really bailed us out. Um, I do think we played pretty well defensively that game. Um, I think we're making some steps in the right direction there. And right now it's all about consistency. We want to we be a little bit more consistent on the defensive side. And that's, that's really going to be our emphasis coming back from break. Uh, we're actually going to practice here in just a little bit. So that will be our, our big emphasis tonight as we move into this next segment of the season. In credit Mount Marty, I mean, you know, that's that's a program that's struggled a little bit uh, the last several years, but uh, Coach Schilling up there seems to have them, you know, playing a little bit scrappier. Uh, they made a few runs right away in the second half. I think they maybe closed things within six or eight points early in the second half, and then you guys were able to to pull away closer to the 10 or 12 minute mark. But, uh, you know, they never went away. And uh, credit to them for, you know, really playing a, a full basketball game. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think I said it on last week's show, I think Coach Schilling's done a great job building that program from the ground up and, and getting some good local high school kids um, that are going to be good players for them over the next few years. And, and they just kept kind of coming at us. And, again, I just come back to we, we had enough guys make some big plays that – that kept him at bay long enough for, for the game to end. So turning now to the schedule ahead, uh, you guys got a couple big conference games coming up this Wednesday, the 28th. Uh, Dakota Wesleyan comes to town, and we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. And then we've got a game up at Northwestern on Saturday. 
uh, both programs that traditionally finish towards the top of the GPAC, both programs that, you know, you guys have had some success against, and then you've also had some games where they've beaten you up pretty bad. What are you expecting? Let's start with Dakota Wesley, and what are you expecting to see out of them? They've lost a couple games this year, a couple two-point games, one to Dort and one to Hastings. They're 7-2, and 3-2 and two in the GPAC. Uh, but like I said, they're, they're real close to, to being 5-0. and oh in the conference so they've got another tough team uh very similar style traditionally to what you play what are you expecting when they come to town well i'm gonna go back to what you said a minute ago matt you said you know teams we've had some success against but teams that have beat us up and i i think that's a a credit to the group of us you know that we've all had pretty good levels of success here recently and traditionally um you know and i think that's bound to happen and i i think they're both schools that we have some pretty nice rivalries with um, and I think when you're when you're having success and you're playing teams that are having success, there's always a lot on the line in those games, um, and so it lends itself to, to great games, big atmospheres, and, and I think that's all you can ask for in college basketball. So th- this is an exciting week. Um, it's a big week for us certainly, and, and it's two pretty dang good basketball teams we're going to play. So to get into Dakota Wesleyan, you know that's a that's a team. You said it. They they play similar to us in a lot of ways. Um, they have some outstanding guards. I think they have one of the elite players in our league, and in, in Ty Hoagland. I think I think he's leading the league in scoring right now, if I'm not mistaken. But um, they're they're a program we have a lot of respect for. Uh, you know, Matt, uh, Matt Wilber, their coach, going to be on the show here in in a few minutes. The way they've been able to sustain their success over a long period of time now is, is pretty impressive, and that's that's obviously something we want to do, and and we've been fortunate to be able to do that as well. And and we've played some crazy games with them. You know, huge runs. There's been a couple blowouts involved that maybe weren't expected. We've had some crazy finishes, and that's just kind of bolstered the rivalry. And and five years ago, I don't know if anybody really would have said it was any kind of rivalry. And now, I think I think both groups get pretty jacked up for this game, and that that makes it fun. And and I'm excited to see the Flanagan Center rocking again for it. We've actually got a special guest joining us, and that is the head coach of Dakota Wesleyan, Matt Wilbur. And uh, Matt's joining us over Coach Figuera's uh, cell phone here. Coach Figuera, you guys must go back a little ways. Yeah, we, we actually, if I'm not mistaken, Wilbs, this is your sixth year at Dakota Wesleyan. Yeah, that's right. And, that's right. Uh, you know, I remember when he got the job, I, I saw him at a elite camp we were both working and just went over and introduced myself. You know, we're in the same league. And the first thing he ever said to me, and I'm pretty much verbatim on this quote, was, Oh, you work with Nick Nelson. My college baseball coach would never let me hit against him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's no joke. That's no joke. I'm glad we're I'm glad we're getting into that right away. Those are those are good memories. And maybe you know we can uh, we can start bringing up all of our good losses in the in the Flanagan as well. So, Mark. But uh, hey, my goal here today with this podcast is to make this the one and only time you have any a head coach on. So I think if that happens, we're going to have a great podcast here where we're like we can never do that again. That's kind of like uh, I think that should be our goal here today. I like where you're setting the bar here, man. <laughs> Yeah, when Coach Figuera said uh, he got you on the hook to, to join us today, I was pretty excited about that. I actually do the uh, scorebook for our home games. And so I was excited to meet the person who's responsible for tearing through about four of our score tables. Oh, uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up, too. You know, like my first year there, we played down there. Uh, we got beat, and uh, Briar Cliff shot like 78 free throws to R2 in the game. And uh, I uh, pounded the table. And at the at the uh, Corn Palace, there's a padded scores table. Well, this is just a fold-out table, and uh, <laughs> there were three guys sitting right there, 
and laptops and all that stuff. And I hit this thing and immediately after hitting it, completely regretted it. Absolute remorse. Every computer flew up in the air, landed down. Three guys are screaming and yelling at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. So later on in the game, something terrible happens and I go to smack the table and I'm coming down and I intentionally stopped. I wasn't going to hit it, but the panic of the table at that time was awesome. I mean, I, I, the, 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 I don't know who the kid was running it, um, the, but he was he was absolutely freaking out. Yeah, to your credit, I do recall, I think you came over later in the game or at halftime or something, and I think you did apologize to the kids who were sitting there terrified. But uh, yeah. that was yeah, – yeah, no. Nobody ever hears the apology. They just see the lunatic, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure the guy sitting behind us uh, who liked to get in your ear heard the apology either. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's okay. That's that's the fun part of going on the road. There's one guy that's a really big fan of me there. Uh, I'm sure he's, a road, he's, he's, he's a big fan of me. So. Hey, and, and, and i got to bring this up because I think your 78 free throw stat is a little skewed. Um, oh. but, but I remember that game pretty pretty well. It was kind of a goofy one where I felt like each of us had multiple 10-point leads, and it just kept going back and forth. Am, am I yeah. right there? I remember Clay Harold yeah. hit a couple late threes that kind of put it away for us. I like how you remember it because I remember us being down the whole way and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and not really being in the game and then, and then being concerned we were going to be in the vicinity of a charger to get a foul called on us. We were like, like it, it, it was just one of those. But, geez, yeah, we've had some, we've had some good ones. We've had some good ones. Well, and that, that, that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about, Wilbs, is just the fact that I would say over the last four, five, maybe even six years, this has become a lot more of a rivalry than maybe it was before. And I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the main reason for that is, one, we've played some crazy games with each other, um, and we both had a pretty good amount of success, and I think the games have meant a lot. Was it, is that accurate? Oh, oh I, I'd agree 100%. You know, and, and adding on top of that, not to just make this a complete love fest for what we've got going on here, but um, our kids are very similar a lot, you know, in, in regards to – style of play and demeanor on the court i mean that's one thing about the g-pack when you look up and down you see teams with some really good kids and i think both of our programs have that going on um but definitely the competitiveness of it and then you know just uh over the years with the style of play i mean you guys especially you know uh, ringing up uh a hundred points like you're getting paid to do it you know i mean it's uh there's there's just been really good players and uh flying around lots of shots made and a lot of really close games you know just uh it's been high level basketball and hopefully i know you guys will continue that side of it hopefully we can hold up our end of the bargain don't don't sandbag on the bc buckets podcast please (laughs) hey i am not sandbagging like i like people think i'm sandbagging all the time on stuff and i'm i'm like i'm I'm very honest, you know, like I, I know you guys are really good. I don't know how good we are. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But and yeah, it's been, uh, you know, like, I don't even like watching you guys on film. I start sweating and panicking. Like, I don't even like, I didn't, I just assume not watch it. So yeah, we'll see. Well, this is Kevin Potabon, sports information director here at Briarcliff. And just so you have a little history about my background, I actually, uh, originally out of college, was a newspaper writer up in Mitchell for the, the Daily Republic. And then for the five years before I uh, came over to Briarcliff, I was actually the play-by-play guy for Morningside College basketball. Oh, and, yeah. and I got to say, uh, and I'm sure you can attest to this, having traveled all around the GPAC, I don't think there are any student sections that compare to Briarcliff and Dakota Wesleyan. I just feel like 
The games at either one of those places always seemed like the crowd got as much into it as anywhere else. And, and it got me to wondering, and I feel like we can ask Coach Figuera this too, the, the other thing the crowds do is they have probably the best theme nights. I always remember up in the Corn Palace, those students go into their theme nights. What is your favorite theme night for the home crowd to, to get involved with? Oh, man. we I mean, uh, the easy one for our kids is, is the jersey night. Um, I'll tell you the uh, – uh, the one that the one that's got the most attention, and I won't bring up the other school that's had a problem with this, but Hawaiian Night has gotten a little wild in our gym at times. So, um, and I like that more just because it usually ruffles the feathers of maybe opposing fans uh, that that want to complain about stuff. So, uh, yeah, the theme nights have been a big deal. I'd agree with you. There's nothing worse than playing games on break. You know, when when uh, when the, when students are on break and playing at home. Um, but when you're playing and you know in those in those games, especially our Wednesday night games, where it, th- those are the local rivalries a little bit, and uh, and the other team. I mean, our guys love that. You know, we play in enough games where we play in front of a hundred people. Um, kids love going to college and playing in front of people. I think both fan bases do a great job of supporting it. Yeah, for sure. And for any of our listeners, if you're not familiar with where Dakota Wesleyan plays, they play in the world's only Corn Palace up in Mitchell, which is perennially named the top G-Pack venue by retiree bus tours and squirrels. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the, other, the other beautiful part about the Corn Palace is it's, a, it's probably the only public-owned facility uh, that anybody plays and practices in. So, I mean, it took me a couple of weeks to figure this out when I first got the job. But literally in the summer, that that place sees that, that place sees like three thousand people a day. Something something ridiculous come through there. And so in the winter, I mean, it's open all the time. So when we're practicing, you'll have straight up tourists coming through nonstop. And like it, like the first bus tour that did come in, and this is real life stuff. They bring them in. They sit them down right in the front row. So you got like forty people, and you might have a tour of forty people and the chamber of commerce guy trying to explain the corn palace girls while I'm giving our guys an education on four on four shell drill and barking in there. And there's not one person in that bus tour that's looking at the murals. There's a bunch of people looking at the lunatic screaming about closeouts. And uh, right away, I was like, well, this is interesting. But uh, yeah, it's open all the time with people coming through there it must be nice when you're living in mitchell and when you go to practice you can also just go right into the same building and, and pay your water bill <laughs> connected to the city hall yeah like uh the uh the toughest part about that place is the concessions are open all the time so it smells like popcorn in there non-stop and like beautiful you know like, corn sessions yeah it's it is the corn sessions it's the corn sessions I, i'm not proud of my concessions bill between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. at any given day um, at, before as we get going. So, Wilbs, you know, on the topic of the Corn Palace, it, it's been traditionally a pretty tough place for, for GPAC opponents to play. I think there's a few reasons. That I think first and foremost you guys do get great crowd support and student support and all that. Um, from your perspective, though, what makes the Corn Palace a great home court advantage for you guys? Well, you, you, you know, I, the fans help. You know, the fans help a ton. Uh, you know, it, it's a really good shooter's gym, as you guys have proved on multiple occasions um, as well coming there. But, uh, you know, our, it, it, it's so unique. Um, it's got a ton of history. Uh, it, it's it's different from everything. 
Um, and our, our, our uh, community obviously just embraces it. And uh, we're just lucky, I think. But I think the biggest part of it is that um, our women have had a lot of success. We've been fortunate the past few years, and uh, people want to come out and watch, um, which which adds to anything. So, uh, you know, the, the flip side of that, though, and I think you would probably say this too, Mark, is opponents like coming there. You know, it's a big game, right? You know, like, the, it, you know, that's one of those games where uh, if you're on the opposing team, you know that people are going to be there. You know, they're going to be barking at you. And so that adds it. So it doesn't make it any easier, which we've proved this year by already dropping two games there. Yeah, and I think you're right, and I, I can speak at least for our guys. I think part of it goes to what you're saying. They know they're going to get a big crowd and a, and a big-time environment, but I think because of that rivalry that's blossomed, I think they know it's probably a good chance it's going to be a crazy game. You know, And we've, we've proved that time and again over the past few years of just some of the outcomes we've had. You know, I think back to a couple years back where you guys just blasted us up at the Corn Palace in the second half. And then I think we won by like 26 at the Flanagan Center, which those are probably both outliers. But, you know, they're just kind of crazy outcomes for two teams that were pretty dang good that year. Yeah, you know, and uh, obviously the talent level helps it, you know. And to both credit, you know, to both you guys and us, um, we've been very locally driven with our kids. Um, you know, the, the one thing about the Corn Palace, too, is our crowd is very educated um, from the high schools, you know, all over. So they know all the kids in the area and they want to see us playing South Dakota kids. And uh, we've been fortunate enough to get some good ones like that that, that really help our crowds. And, and they want to see that. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, and like Briarcliff, you know, I know you guys have had a few of your former players stick around uh, and stay on your coaching staff uh, after they've graduated. This year you've got Jason Spicer on the staff. What has yeah. that meant to, to keep some of those guys in the program just to, to build some continuity with those guys who are coming up behind? Well, you know, the I think everybody, I think anybody that's going to run a sustaining program and having success, I think you start talking about two words, you know, culture and chemistry um, and and what that means. And I know Briarcliff, you know, I, and, and this isn't just, being a blowhard and saying, Hey, great job here. I mean, it's real stuff. Um, you can see the culture and chemistry, um, as, as the cliffs playing, you know, and, and that's been one thing that we've really tried to hang our hat on and stuff we focus on every day, um, is that kind of deal. And that's, that's an everyday, um, Hey, what are we trying to get out of this and not just on game nights. And so we've been fortunate to have guys that buy into that, um, that's obviously got to be player-led when you're talking about stuff like that with culture and chemistry. It's easy to oversee it and say what's wrong or what we need to do better, but players need to do that. And when you've got that going on, we've been fortunate that guys want to stick around. You know, Tate Martin a couple of years ago was with us. Terrell Newton a couple of years ago was with us. And now we've got Jason Spicer, and uh, um, we're lucky to have that. And I think that says more about what's going on within your program than guys just wanting to get a master's degree or something of that sort. Yeah, I think you're right, man, and and I think that when you have guys like that that have so much pride in the program, they also have a lot of credit with your current players. You know, obviously, like for you right now, Jason Spicer played with a lot of your guys, but I, I'm pretty positive he's got a lot of street cred within your program with your players. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, and um, and you know, like as Mark already knows, we have no post presence right now, so when we do have to go up against it. Um, not that Briar Cliffs the most dominant post team in the in the country, um, but we 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 can throw somebody in there too. So Spice still still practices, right? And uh, you know, like uh, when Tate was here, he was Eric Erdman, 
And uh, you're like, okay, so we're obviously not going to be able to guard Eric Erdman based on what we're seeing here in practice today. Uh, you know, like it's so. Uh, so we've had we, we've had we've had our we've had guys that can still practice and still play and give us pretty good looks too, and that's a benefit. Hey, this is going to go way off topic, but you brought him up. Terrell Newton has one of the most vicious screens in the history of GPAC basketball, and I know you remember what I'm talking about. It was on Austin Leffler, who's a guy who's on our staff now. Would you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I always, you know, like, this is what, you know, I try to send, I like to tell coaches, you got to watch out. You got to tell your guards when Terrell was playing that we just put him out there as a statue, and he's a rock, man. Like, he, and when you're bringing that ball up the court, your your bigs better be screaming, and he did. He, I mean, it was one of those, I was like, oh, you know, uh, they're not illegal. He's just, he's just good at it, and those are scary ones, but he did. He, he, he. Austin Leffler wasn't the only one that got one of those. Yeah, I would imagine not. And that also brings up another one of the, I think, pretty awesome games we played. We came out on the wrong end of it. But that year, that was the year you guys, I believe, were national runners-up. And we had a heck of a game right after Thanksgiving. Um, I think you guys ended up winning by five, six, seven, something like that. I just remember it being a heck of a game and, and both teams just playing at a pretty dang high level. Yeah, I know you guys. You guys had a really good team, and that was that was kind of the. It, I wouldn't. It, that kind of started your your guys's uh, the run for the last few years here, um, and you could see you guys were going to be really good. We obviously graduated all those guys um, that were playing in that game, but uh, um, was that the year you guys snuck in at the end into the national tournament? It was. was that, you know, we you guys, we we took a couple tough losses down the stretch, and and for most of that year, we were in a really good spot. You know, in the top 18, 19 in the country. We slipped all the way to 25 in the final poll, and we got in and, and ended up getting beat in the first round. But I think you're right. That that year really started kind of everything we've done since then. You know, those guys yeah. on that team, even the seniors that kind of led that team, yep. the Matt Bergs and the Zach Oddings and Ricky Torres, has really kind of set the tone for us moving forward. Yeah. Oh, you bring Matt Berg uh, in that game you were referencing. Um, I think we lost him on a middle pick and roll, and I thought maybe he was going to jump over the backboard when he when he when he took off it was like now that was late in the game we were still up and it was it was one of the most ridiculous dunks i've ever seen uh just another off the topic one just a yeah he he was definitely capable of that and he he became a real favorite of the fans and the local media in Sioux City that year, he was he was on the top five on on ABC so much that he actually went on the show and hosted it with them um, because he was on there literally every week for some crazy dunk he did. Well, that that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all. That doesn't surprise me at all. Hey, let, let's talk about one other game up at the Corn Palace. And I, I'm pretty positive it was your first year. You guys beat us in overtime, but there was an incident where Austin Poland baited oh. Luke Bamberg into a technical. Oh my gosh! I mean, this is this is the worst technical foul ever administered in the history of sports. I'm, I'm pretty sure, and uh, I don't think he even said anything to him or touched him. I think because uh, I didn't see it, it was right in front of your bench, and it happened to be at a really important time. Yeah, that was, that that's like, what made it so interesting. It, it, it happened in the in the. I think we had gotten the game winning stop, and we were going to go shoot free throws, and the game was going to be over, and all of a sudden. Bamberg's getting teed up in the game, and now it's now it's a it's a you guys have the ball, you're shooting free throws, all kinds of stuff broke loose. Um, it was it was I that was one of those I, 
I have some of these moments on the sidelines where I think I'm just going to pass out because it was so bad. And that was definitely one of those moments where I was like, I have no idea what just happened here. Well, and I don't remember exactly what happened. I'm guessing Poland was saying something um, no, to Bamberg. He, Bamberg had the ball and Poland kept poking at it. He, he, he was just poking at it, and, and Bamberg had the ball, and he walked away with it, and the ref thought that Bamberg threw an elbow at Poland while he was reaching in, um, uh, getting the ball, and Bamberg wouldn't drop it. And I don't think the guy saw what happened at all. He just saw that interchange and teed Bamberg up. Well, and I'll say this. If there was somebody on really a couple years in a row teams we had that was going to instigate something like that, it was going to be Austin Poland. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that dude, he was so big for us for a couple of years. Um, and you want to talk about yep. a guy that played his role and yep. thrived in yeah. it so well. But if there was something going on on the floor, he was definitely involved in some way, shape, or form. Well, and he definitely picked the right person on our <laughs> team. You know, so that was that was a perfect storm of of that going on. So uh, uh, talk about two guys that way. Bamberg, Bamberg was one of you know in my time here, maybe one of the most important guys that's ever played for us. And he averaged six points and six rebounds for his career. Let me yeah. ask both of you guys. Yep. Do you, I mean, you obviously get to know these referees because they, they go around the conference and do a lot of these games. Do you kind of get an idea of who has a short fuse and who you can get away with a little bit more? Does that does that kind of play into how you communicate with the, the officials on any given night? It's always a work in progress. You know, the referees and what people see of the interaction with the referees, and, that, and I won't speak for Mark, but I know that that both of us are in the same boat where we're not quiet guys on the sidelines, right? You know, and so um, it, it's a give and take all the time. It's a give and take all the time. And I and I'm I'm waiting to I'm waiting to fall into the time of my career where I just will shut up and not even say anything to them. Like I'm 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 ready for that time in my career to show up because you can get caught up in the officials really easily. And then you're not doing a very good job on the sidelines. But it is you 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 get to know the refs. We see the same guys. Um, all of the time, and we're lucky in our league uh, where these guys aren't making a ton of money to ref our games. We get guys that work pretty hard at it and, and want to do a really good job. So we're fortunate with it, and I don't ever want to be on the wrong side of them, even though it doesn't look that way when you're screaming and yelling at them about a call. Yeah, hey, man, and I agree with you on a lot of that stuff. I, I think, and we've all as coaches had those moments where we do let our frustrations with a particular call or a set of calls take us away from coaching our team. And I, I, I've been pissed at myself a couple different times uh, for that. But I, I think, you know, to answer Matt's question, I think you kind of get a feel for how different crews officiate a game, um, how to communicate with different guys. And I do think, for the most part, there's a pretty good mutual respect among the coaches and the, and the officials. I, I, I do too. It, it's just, uh, you know, it's one of those – it's college basketball. The referees are going to get talked to. They're going to get challenged on their calls, and I, I just I just hope they understand that. You know, like I don't want to ever be. I just you know, like I said, I'm ready to be where I don't even care. But that's just not going to happen. <laughs> and uh, you just hope you have guys that are working hard for you. You know, they're going to miss them. Yeah, for sure. Hey, coach. This is this is obviously a food podcast where we talk a little bit about basketball every week, but. Uh, so I got to ask you too because you get to make two trips to Sioux City every year, and we talk a lot about where uh, fans eat when they're on the road and where the team gets food when they're on the road. What are some of the places that stand out to you as, as places to go when you're in town, or where you grab post game or pregame meals 
I was uh, I coached at USF and obviously was in Sioux Falls and then uh, playing at Augie with Morningside when Morningside was in the NCC and and that that conference was rocking and rolling. So I was I was uh, running the I was running the the interstate pretty heavily um, down that way. I, I won't talk about any any uh, trips down to the boat, but uh, you know when we were playing. Um, uh, I mean, it's hard to be it's hard to beat a, a Charlie boy in a schooner, isn't? I mean, isn't that like you know, you you're not going to beat that one. And then we always get, and I'm drawing a complete blank here, but there's a pizza place that's pretty unique. If you guys probably said it, I'd remember. Jerry's. I, I'd remember it. What's that? Jerry's. Yep. We 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 get. We get that a lot too when we're on the road, but we're we stay pretty traditional. You guys are lucky in Sioux City, man. You know, like moving from Sioux Falls to Mitchell, the toughest thing for me was losing all the restaurants. You know, and and you guys in Sioux City still have all the places. So if we're if we're going down to, to Nebraska, we'll hit the the mall area and go to Olive Garden or stop anywhere. You know, around there and um and yeah, man. So you're lucky. You're lucky with the food choices you guys got. So let me let me flip that on you, Wilbs. Give me the top three or four restaurants in Mitchell, South Dakota. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're not going to go wrong with Blarney's. You know, Blarney's Sports Bar and Grill um, is kind of like our Buffalo Wild Wings. We don't have one of those here in town. Um, the uh, if you need if you need a steak in a in a really good one, uh, Chef Louie in town it is is the place is the place for that. And yeah, you know and, and, for- and not to interrupt, but I can advocate for that. Um, yeah, I've been yeah. there a couple times. That place is legit. Yeah, that's big time. That's big time. And so you've got Blarney's for the sports bar, Chef Louie's for a really good steak, and you're just not going to go wrong if you want to get a burger down at the scoreboard, which is right across the street from uh, right across the way from uh, the Corn Palace. And, and, I, and uh, I've actually been there with you, and I can back that up and put my name on that place too. Yep, yep. So I would say, I would say you, you can't go wrong at either of those places. Um, so I'm going to throw some random questions at you, Wilbs. Oh, okay. All right. Um, first and foremost, who is more animated on the sideline, you or me? Oof. I, 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 uh, I hate that I've got to say me on this one. I, I, that, that, that was a disappointing question right out of the gates. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think I, 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 I'm telling you, I'm working on it. I, I have a lot of, you know, Goose Frappa talks with myself if the anger management reference to uh, Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler. Um, I don't know. It's probably close. I think if you said in the G Pack, we're probably in the one-two range. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, I get to see a lot of you guys up close and personal down at the scorers table, and I I think after number two, there's probably a pretty big gap. Gosh, I'm gonna, we're going to get off of this podcast, and I'm going to have to rethink everything I'm doing. We're talking about referees and sideline demeanor and how, dang it. All right, let me let me change gears on you. Next question. Yep. Um, where does Jake Shipley rank uh, in the all-time ranks of the GAs you've had at Dakota Wesleyan? Wow. Now now we really got to get real here. So, like, no doubt, no doubt, probably the best one we've ever had. I mean, he was big time. We were lucky to get him when we got him. Um, and I know he's come a long ways, but uh, we lost him after one year. He got a, the head coaching or the, the head assistant at uh, Jamestown, um, and so it was tough to lose him. But that was, you know, that year we had him, we went to the national national championship game. So I got to give him some credit. Uh, if you want to start talking about questions of where I don't have to give him credit, I, I'm more than happy to discuss that other side of it too. So 
that that might be uh, the next time you're on before we play yeah. uh, later in January. Yeah, yeah. All right, here's one for you. Better national tournament venue, Keter Gymnasium or the Pentagon? Two. I, you know, it's kind of like two eras, right? You know, the Pentagon is obviously modern, and, and that, that facility is so unbelievable. But I, I'll tell you what, I don't know how you felt, but there was when we'd go check in down in Branson, uh, and the, you you go out to the court uh, of Keter Gymnasium. It's it's hard not to get goosebumps with how cool that place is, and 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 just the tradition of having it there, and just you made it. And hey, you traveled all the way down. Everybody you ate at Lambert's, and just that whole, you know, just the whole everything that went into the national tournament when it was in Branson. So I think both are unbelievable. We've obviously had, we've been lucky to play in both, um, and both of us have, and we've had such a good following with our fans. But the year we went to the national championship game uh, in 14-15, when the announcer couldn't, uh, he had to stop the announcements because of our crowd, and he couldn't, he, you couldn't hear him. And we had, we were lucky to have some good moments down there. Yeah, it, and I agree with you. I think there's there's a lot of nostalgia to to College of the Ozarks and Keter Gymnasium because you know both of us have been there numerous times. Uh, what do you think about just the Pentagon being so close to both of us, where we both had pretty dang good crowds there last year? I mean, what 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 does that do for us in terms of an advantage? It's a, I mean, it's a it's big time advantage, and we we were lucky. Um, and you know, if you go rehash that and. And last year we lost on such a terrible, just in a terrible way. Just everything went wrong for us late. But that place was packed and blue. And there's just something to it. And you guys, I, you know, I saw all of your guys' games as well. And just having your fans there and being able to get there that easily and and that kind of support, it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference where you're not just playing in front of 10 people. Um, uh, we've been fortunate to have, you know, a good crowd. Uh, following us in the national tournament so hopefully we can get there to find out i don't know where we're at right now with all of that I, i'd say you guys have to feel pretty good about that and i can tell you that even though i know you're probably panicking already about that stuff but uh um you guys have a great shot of getting back there well i you know i hope so it's as you and i both know coach it's pretty dang early to be talking about that stuff right now yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Thanks for putting me back in my place. That's where <laughs> I did not mean it that way. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's um, okay. so, so I, you know, I, I said at the beginning, I think there's a lot of mutual respect between our programs, and I, I certainly have a lot of respect for, for what you guys do, and I think one of the biggest things is, just that you guys have sustained your success for a number of years now. What, what, what's the most important thing to be able to do that, in your opinion? Well, I mean, if you were gonna. You know, I, I I've been asked this a couple times. You know, with college basketball and how it goes, and um, if you're gonna if you're gonna say there's 15 things you need to do to be successful in college and run a successful college program, I'd say one through 13 probably have to be players, right? Like, Correct. If, after you after you get past that, you can start talking scheme and all the things that go on behind the scenes, and there's a lot. But if you don't have players, you're just you can't do anything. And if you've got good players, you basically can do anything. And uh, I think that's a pretty easy answer to that. And and I think anybody who says differently to that is probably giving themselves a little bit too much credit for what's going on on the court. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Coach Wilbur, on social media, there's videos of you making all these half-court shots and behind-the-back <laughs> shots. And 
be honest with us here. This is this is kind of a no BS zone. What's going on with that? Is there some movie magic, or is that a hundred takes? You guys doing anything else in practice except watching coach (laughs) chuck up Uh, these half court bombs? Okay, so uh, it it kind of took on a life of its own um, with it, and I'm you know I didn't make any of those on the first take. Well, I made one of them right away on the first take, but the rest of them, like we weren't spending we weren't spending a lot of time on them. I mean, like we'd maybe try 10, 11 times. If it didn't work, we gave up on it. You know, we just gave up, but it was on some of those, it just got out of control. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah. That I, I had to, I had to put a disclaimer out on Twitter to my wife and to my bosses that this wasn't the only thing I was doing every day. And this is how I was making my, you know, making a living. But, uh, yeah, you know, when you're in a gym nonstop and you're just sitting there waiting for guys to show up to practice, I mean, there's only so much film you can watch at times. So, you, I, I mean, I'm just a big kid at heart, I think, anyway, in, in a in a in a screwball. So we'd start doing this stuff and we'd go, well, we got to try this one, we got to try that one. And Tate Martin was my filmer for all of it, and he was he was egging it on. The most impressive one we had was the three quarter court punting the ball in the basket. I mean, that <laughs> happened like on on like a couple of years ago. We were in the gym trying to make this thing and we didn't make it for. Like like 45 minutes we weren't filming it we we're just on christmas break and we didn't do it and then this one i did it on like the seventh try and it was like what the heck so um yeah i still i still think that was the most impressive one we had i think it's impressive that you spent 45 minutes trying a few years ago yet you came back and decided to go at it again i, I did and i was i was you know like i i'm uncomfortable telling you how how sore my foot was and i continued to go like with uh I, I just am in no shape to be a punter, obviously. Yeah. Now, now I'm, now I'm. I think I'm nursing a. Uh, I think I'm nursing a torn rotator cuff. So my trick shot days are done until I try to go opposite hand. Is that a? Is that an amateur baseball thing? Oh my gosh! You want to talk about stupid? Um, uh, I'm still playing amateur baseball at 41 years old, and I every once in a while I will ask myself that. And so uh, we were actually playing against a Nick Nelson former team, the Larchwood Diamonds, and. Uh, I'm playing on left field, and a guy hits a ball out to the left field, or right field I was playing, to my right. I dive for the ball, don't catch it, land, knew I completely messed my shoulder up. The beauty of it was it was the bottom of the seventh. We were up 21-3, to three, and the kid was going to strike the side out anyway, and I'm out here diving around like it's a little serious. So, and now I can't raise my left arm. So, I, yeah. I just... I have to ask, what what team were you playing for? I personally, I was a former uh, Wessington Springs Owl. Oh, nice, nice. I I grew up in Miller, so I was I was running around the Wessington Springs baseball field back in those woods and down in the gulch, you know, like getting lost for days. But I was I playing with the Renner Monarchs. I'm playing with the Renner Monarchs. We got a pretty good, a lot of former college guys, a couple of pros. So it's a good group of guys that continue to play. So it makes it hard to give it up. Well, Coach Wilbur, we probably need to get things wrapped up here so yep. Uh, yep. you can get to uh, preparing for this week and so Coach Figuera can get to preparing for you guys. But uh, Wednesday night uh, at 8 o'clock here in the Newman Flanagan Center, uh, you guys will be here in town. Uh, it's always a game I look forward to. Whenever the schedule comes out every year, Dakota Wesleyan is always one of the first games I look for uh, when, when the schedule comes out. So I'm excited. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, um, I'm hoping for your lowest ratings for this podcast that you get the fewest number of hits on this. So, um, so, so Mark doesn't ever have to invite me back on it. <laughs> hey, thanks, Wilbs, for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, guys. 
We hope you enjoyed that first half of this week's episode. Uh, like I said right at the beginning, we did split this up into a couple of different parts, so make sure you go find part B where we will talk about the upcoming Northwestern matchup, and we'll talk in more depth with a former assistant Briarcliff coach, Jay Wright.